This episode of the Outside Podcast is brought to you by The North Face, telling stories of women pushing the boundaries of exploration, like ultra runner Fernanda Maciel. My name is Fernanda Maciel. I'm an ultra runner. I run in high mountains. Fernanda Maciel holds the speed record on Aconcagua, the highest mountain in North or South America. And she used that summit bid to help raise awareness of the National Park's trash problem. She also holds the fastest known time up and down Kilimanjaro and use that to help the Kilimanjaro Orphanage Center. She's also an environmental lawyer, so it's safe to say that she feels a deep need to do good in the world. And she says it's because running is kind of egotistical and selfish. And I feel that uh, I need like, to share with the others like this passion, and I need to share and to help others, if I can, with my sport. Fernanda has won a lot of races, but she says it's still difficult for her. She runs on the verge of giving up. At her most recent race, a 100-mile ultra, two weeks after setting the Kilimanjaro record, she struggled the whole way through. But that was, for me, like the hardest things that I've done ever because my body wasn't prepared for that. It was so difficult, she says, and the terrain was so rugged that finishing the race was going to get her home faster than being picked up by a helicopter. Then I thought, well, I think it would be faster if I run to the hotel, to the finish line, because the hotel is just beside the finish line. (laughs) With that kind of grit, it's not surprising that lots of people consider Fernanda a role model. And this spring, through their Move Mountains initiative, the North Face is dedicating itself to telling you more stories of relentless and unexpected female explorers who inspire, prepare, and mobilize the next generation of women to push boundaries. Find out more at thenorthface.com slash shemovesmountains. From Outside Magazine and PRX, these are Dispatches, stories from our writers in the field. Most people spend years getting their pilot's license because they dream of flying or become a certified scuba diver because they love the ocean. But when Kelly Edwards did those things, she had a bigger goal in mind. She wanted her own show on TV. As a young black woman trying to break into the overwhelmingly white and male world of travel television, Kelly felt like she needed to have over-the-top credentials to be recognized. So she went out and got them. And it worked. She got noticed by the biggest travel network out there, a network that at the start of 2018 had never had a show hosted by a black woman. There are thousands of islands on Earth, but travelers only visit a handful. That's the trailer for Mysterious Islands, Kelly's new show on the Travel Channel. It's the network's first regular season show to have a black female host. In the span of a few years, Kelly went from making low-budget YouTube videos to flying planes on her own cable TV show. Outside contributor Stephanie Joyce wanted to know, what was it like to go on that journey? It's really, it's fu- it's funny to, to interview another journalist. That's like not normally. As Kelly and I sat down to chat, a low rumble shook the room. That's the airplane. I don't know where that's coming oh. from, but it's outside somewhere. Yeah. Kelly's apartment in Los Angeles sits directly under the flight path for the Burbank Airport. Burbank Airport, which is also where I saw saw my first small airplane take off and land. I was leaving out of Burbank Airport on a trip. He was doing something called a touch and go. The airplane lands, touches the wheel, asks for clearance, takes right back off, and then they fly 
in a rectangle around the airport. So he was practicing maneuvers while big planes were landing. I was about to catch a United flight. <laughs> and when I saw that guy at Burbank Airport, I was like, I can learn how to fly something like that. And that's what made aviation accessible to me. I wish I knew who that man was. He has no idea what he has done for my life. When Kelly decides to do something, she just goes and does it. But her first flight in a small plane back in 2012 got off to a rough start. The G-forces had my stomach so topsy-turvy. I literally felt like I was going to throw up. And then the turbulence, you know, up and down. And so when I first went up, I wasn't flying. So I'm like, I am in this little airplane, thousands of feet above the ground. I'm feeling sick. The plane is shaking. I hope this guy knows what he's doing. He looks pretty young. <laughs> like, whoa. And then I had a moment and the plane like smoothed out. The air got smooth. I looked out and it was just beautiful. And then he said, Kelly, I'm going to let you take the controls. When I say take the controls, you say my controls. When you say my controls, I will release the yoke. So he says your controls. I say my controls and I'm holding the plane. And when I felt that power in these two hands, turning the plane slowly, very little at that because I don't know how to fly an airplane at this point. But the fact that that plane was moving on my accord, oh my gosh, I was like, this is what life is about. Like when they say take the wheel, like I'm literally doing that right now. And I am 6,500 feet in the air. And this is freaking awesome. It, the adrenaline rush. I forgot how I felt a minute prior. Like all of that went out of the window. When we landed, I was like, so how do these classes work? And when are we available to start? And can you tell me how I get rid of the sickness? Do you do you actually own your own plane? Not yet. I don't own my own plane yet. It's one thing about the pilot community for me that's been amazing is that when people see me show up to the airport, they become curious about me. I remember the first time I went to a meeting um, at Santa Monica Airport. <laughs> and I walked into that room. And when I say they stopped talking, and said, are you, are you lost? Are you looking for something? And I said, no, I'm here for the such and such pilot meeting. And they're like, oh yeah, you're in the right room. And I was like, I know. And like, I sit down and I could tell people were distracted still. Like people were paying attention, but they would kind of turn and look, look at me. And I would just smile. And as soon as that meeting stopped, I swear, half the room came up to me. So what are you doing here? What do you fly? How long have you been flying? What do you fly out of? Who taught you? And I tell them my story. I tell them, you know, how much I love aviation and, you know, the freedom that it affords me. And they're like, well, let me know if there's anything I can do to help. If you ever want to fly my airplane, let me know. And I'm like, are you kidding? They're like, no, we're, we're serious. You know why? Because we want to see more people who look like you. We want to see more young women. Like, they're tired of, the older white guys are tired of seeing each other too, you know? So they want to encourage a new generation of pilots and they really get excited at the thought of more of them looking like me. So yeah, with that said, they hand over their keys and say, 
Have at it. Have fun. Bring it back safely. You got insurance, right? (laughs) Kelly didn't just learn to fly for fun, though. She says it was part of her plan to be able to travel by land, air, and sea, which she made her personal tagline. Before learning to fly, she'd already tackled the sea part of that, even though she was afraid of the ocean. And it's still freaky to me at times, to be honest with you, because it's just like a lot going on down there. But um, I jumped into the ocean um, on a snorkel trip in the Cayman Islands. And it was the first time I had jumped into the ocean. And I lost my breath when I got in that water because it was so deep. And I'm used to like jumping in a pool and like you can push off the bottom of 10 feet and be back at the surface. Like, no, I went down and I went down and I came back up like, oh my gosh, this ocean is huge and this is scary. And do I get back on the boat? It's like, no, stay in the water. Okay, get comfortable. Put your face in the water. Look at something. And I looked down and I saw three scuba divers and they looked so comfortable. And they were like leisurely and they were not panicking like the girl who was 30 feet above them, you know? So I got out of the water and, you know, had the rest of my trip. But when I came home, I was really bothered by the fact that I was freaked out by jumping in the water. And I was like, how can I get over that fear and that phobia? And I thought about the scuba divers and uh, how comfortable they looked. And I said, you should learn to become a scuba diver. And then that was a whole different ball game. learning to scuba dive is pretty serious and I had some difficulty with it I'm not even gonna lie um when we would have to take off our mask and re-put it on under the water I feel like the whole earth all of the water was crashing on my face and then to put it back on and then blow the water out it was like a whole trick and it was just something I had a hard time with and that was the final test of me actually uh getting my scuba diving uh certification And so when we were on the ocean floor, right off Catalina, off of Avalon, um, all on our knees, taking our masks off and putting them on, my uh, dive master knew I had a hard time doing that. And so she came to me last. And so when she came to me last, I did mine. And like, she was so proud of me. She started clapping and the other students started clapping like underwater. And I remember her pulling me aside and she says, Kelly, I'm so proud of you. She goes, out of all of my students, I didn't think you were going to make it. And, you know, since then, I've become an advanced open water diver. So, you know, I went from a person who freaked out from snorkeling to a person who does night diving and deep diving. After learning to dive and fly, Kelly pitched a show to the Travel Channel in 2014. She was sure that she was ready to host her own show. But the Travel Channel saw things differently. I really thought that that was the year that... um. I was gonna have something with them, but nothing happened. It was very much a learning year. Um, I don't deal very well with no. So I was like, I'll be back. (laughs) I will be back. I don't know when, but this is not the last you've seen of Kelly Edwards. Two years later, she pitched the network again, this time on her current show, Mysterious Islands. And I got that call. I was in the airport and I started crying so bad that people around me were like, is she okay? Do you need anything? I'm like, no, I have, it's great news. I am ugly crying right now, but it's great news. And um, it was an executive from Travel Channel who called me and told me that um, my show got picked up. And I was just like, I like, it was like a, I could breathe. 
I took a lot of risks. So to know that all that led to a reward, oh man, it's the best feeling in the world. I, like right now I have chill bumps when I talk about it because it's just a feeling that I just never wanted to get old when I think about it, you know? When Kelly was growing up, she never imagined that someday she would travel the world for a living. That wasn't something that she had any role models for in her life. You know, growing up in San Bernardino was very much middle-class neighborhood. And so, and, and maybe lower middle-class at that. So I don't remember anyone going on a vacation, to be honest with you. And if so, it might've been a, like Las Vegas or uh, maybe San Francisco to visit family. I don't remember anyone coming back from any trip. None of my friends saying that they had left the country or the state. I just don't remember that at all. So I think it was very much a place where visiting family was a trip for people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but getting on a plane and going somewhere, I don't remember anyone saying that. And I know I didn't, so it wasn't me either, you know? The longest trip Kelly took as a kid was when she and her mom moved to San Bernardino. She was born on the south side of Chicago and lived there until she was six. I remember being on the Greyhound bus. Um, I think the trip was maybe three or four days from Chicago to California, probably like three. And I saw mountains for the first time. And I had no idea like what they were. And I always tell people when I saw them for the first time, I thought they were buried brontosaurus just because of the big hump. And I was just like, that's just what these are. These are buried dinosaurs. And I just saw so many different landscapes from Chicago to California. It was like mountains and desert and city. And it was incredible. I mean, for a little kid to see all those things after only knowing your immediate environment is really mind blowing. And it just made me really excited to get to California, you know? I can't say that my life would have been the same had I stayed in Chicago, to be honest with you. I don't know because when my mom got married to my stepdad, he was a surfer, uh, a camper, uh, did a lot of outdoorsy things that I had never been exposed to, you know? But when they got married, he wanted his child to experience these things. So I have a lot uh, to thank my dad, uh, my stepdad for that for. Yeah. How else did your life change when you moved out here to California? Well, living in Chicago, I mean, I lived in a neighborhood that, it, you know, it was all black, just plain and simple. It was all black. And then when I came to California, um, the area that I moved in, it was multicultural, especially like when my mom married my stepdad, when I lived in San Bernardino, my city block, <laughs> it's like a United Nations of sorts. There were Hispanics on one corner. There was my mom and my stepdad and my stepdad is white. So we were the interracial family on the block. There was um, a Vietnamese family. It was called Donald Street, which is the same name as my dad. Um, so I very much remember that street. A lot of years there, <laughs> a lot of memories. Um, I would remember when it would rain, I would make like like little sticks and tie strings to it with a paper clip and try to like catch leaves in the gutter and then like play street hockey with the boys and then baseball and then run down the street and play grocery store with my dolls, with my girlfriends. And so I ran amok on that street. <laughs> it sound, I mean, it sounds like a pretty idyllic childhood, yeah. was it? Yeah, you know what? In hindsight, it absolutely, it was. I mean, I rode my bike to school. 
You know, I walked to the bus stop when I, you know, was going to junior high. Um, I was a little hero on that block. I ran track and played basketball and I would like proudly wear my like jersey and like, you know, be super happy to be a jock or your name's in the paper and your neighbor sees and they cut it out. And so the street we lived on, the neighbors were great. Um, the city, it had its issues. The city of San Bernardino had its issues then and it still has its issues now, unfortunately. Um, yeah, um, I actually, my first boyfriend was murdered in San Bernardino by uh, drive-by shooting. So while this is a city that, you know, helped raise me, it also let me know how cruel the world was too. Kelly was 22 and just about to graduate from college. The relationship had been over for years, but they were still occasionally in touch. Kelly keeps the program from his memorial service in a drawer in her living room. I mean, star football player, star track member, and then one day you get a call that that person's gone. And to be honest with you, that's probably why I live my life the way I do, without any reservation and without any regret, because you just don't want to, you never know when it's over, you know? So, um, people, you know, sometimes may think that I'm like wild. And to me, no, I'm free. <laughs> I give myself freedom to be because I don't know when I'm going to leave this earth. So, you know, at my funeral, everyone will say how much of an amazing time I had while I was on this earth. You know, I, I there's not much that I'm going to be able to say unless I, you know, left tomorrow that I didn't get to do. You know, and so, you know, that's just how I live my life. Yeah. Right after college, Kelly took her first international trip. She went to Ghana with a friend and the experience made her want to travel more. But at first, she just thought of traveling as a hobby. I started off solo solo trips. Because first of all, travel is not the cheapest thing to do. And, you know, I would have to work very hard to get to these places. And so I can't expect for people to just pick up and leave and just go with me somewhere. And I'm the type of person, I'm not waiting on nobody. I'm going to go if I have the opportunity to go. So if that meant going by myself, that's exactly what I did. And I'm glad that I did because I learned about myself, you know, as a woman and what I was capable of and, and how well I could take care of myself under circumstances that were not always favorable. Um, so solo travel very much was crucial in my life and it's helped uh, shape and mold my personality and my ability to believe and what I'm capable of doing when I'm alone. Kelly's day job in Los Angeles was in entertainment reporting, but she also took side gigs to help finance the travels. I worked at Kiss FM. I was on air. I was like a tag team member where I would do radio spots. Like, I'm Kelly Edwards and I'm on the corner of, you know, Sepulveda, Manchester. And the first person that gets here is gonna win two tickets to the concert. And so that was the job that I had there. Kiss FM up the street, and then I worked at a bank. I worked in new accounts and loans. I started as a teller. Uh, by the time I left the bank, I was a loan officer. Um, I also worked part-time at the airport, and you would get flight benefits with that, and I would be able to bring friends along. And so it would either be me saving my money and using my three-day weekends or my four-day weekends or my holidays to take the money from my job to go travel, or I would have flight benefits or buddy passes from friends and go learn to travel like that. Kelly eventually quit her entertainment reporting job and started traveling full-time. 
She was making YouTube videos that were, by her own admission, pretty terrible. Behind me is the world's tallest building. It is named the Burj Khalifa. It stands over 2,717 feet and costs $1.5 billion to build. Kelly says she leaves the videos up on the internet to remind herself of how far she's come. It's very interesting what's happening, having the platform that I have in my community right now, because I went from being the weird girl that, you know, only white people do that, or you're acting like a white girl, or you are a white girl, to you're so cool. I've never seen anyone who looks like me doing the things that you do. And because I see you doing it, it lets me know that I can do it too. So I went from being the underdog and the weirdo to the representation that others needed to see to know that they can do it too. And that's been very interesting. And so I really love the support that I'm getting from my community now. Um, At first, though, I did feel like for many, many moons, you know, I was, I didn't fit in anywhere. So representation, I'm learning, it really matters. Because, and which is interesting for me, because I don't have anyone who I've looked up to doing the things that I do that look like me. I never had. I'm really hoping that, um, that people who look like me and identify with me, uh, that, I, that I open their eyes. And I can tell so far I have been. I've gotten so many emails from mothers saying that their daughters had no idea about that even a woman could be a pilot or that the mother for the first time had saw a black pilot or, you know, I guess I won't die. You know, in the movies, the black people die first in the horror movies in the forest. Uh, You are surviving and you're out there by yourself doing it. It's like, yeah, you can learn to do these things. It's not that crazy. Kelly set out to have her own show on the Travel Channel, and she does. To get there, she had to learn how to do a lot of new things, which hasn't always left a lot of time for reflection. That's that thing about being in competition with yourself. You're always looking for the next thing where... I've already won in so many ways, you know? Sometimes I just feel like it's okay, I can pat myself on the back, you know? I can pat myself on the back, I've earned it. But almost before the thought is out, Kelly's already talking about the things she's planning to learn next. She wants to train as a bush pilot. And she told me she's getting her motorcycle license. And no one knows because everyone always says, Oh, don't do that. That's dangerous. Well, if I listen to all those people, I would not be a pilot. I would not be an advanced scuba diver. I would have not traveled the world solo. You know, so I don't have time to listen to people. You guys would stifle my life and my career if I listened to you. So yes, I'm going to learn how to ride a motorcycle. It won't be a sport bike, even though I love and I have a need for speed. It will be a cruiser like a Triumph or a Harley. But I'm adding that to the repertoire because I have air covered with the airplanes. You know, I've got sea cover being an advanced diver. And I just really want to cover land on the road. So that's going to be the motorcycle, you know? So I got it all mapped out. <laughs> Your life totally reminds me of like those Dos Equis commercials. Listen, I would kill that commercial. I would love to be the most interesting woman in the world. I swear, I will land an airplane. I will ride a motorcycle to the ocean. I will put on scuba gear. I'll come up and I'll climb up on a ship. I mean, like, that's not a bad legacy to leave, you know? Sounds good to me. (laughs) 
That's Kelly Edwards talking with Stephanie Joyce. This piece was produced by Stephanie Joyce and edited by me, Peter Frickwright. Music by Robbie Carver. It was brought to you by The North Face, helping empower and inspire the next generation of female explorers. More at thenorthface.com slash shemovesmountains. We'll be back next week.